Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we rank every horror movie ever. I'm Quincy, and joining me this week is my lovely wife, Emily. I don't think you're actually going to be able to rank every movie ever, and I'm really sorry to shit on your dreams right here at the beginning of the podcast, but how long have you been doing this? Uh, a couple years We're now. like 400 movies in. Yeah. I've been wanting to tell you for about 400 movies now that there's no way to rank every movie ever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they're lying to you, listeners. There's no way that's ever going to happen. But it's sweet of you to try. Uh, so how have you been, Emily? I've been good. <laughs> I realize you haven't been on the show since we made you watch Anti-Birth. Yeah, the last time I was on the show, I was pregnant. And now the child that I was pregnant with is almost 17 months old. We caught her eating out of the trash can today. It was really a horrifying moment. Quite appropriate for this podcast. Yeah, I think I screamed, why are you eating out of the trash can? I gave birth to a raccoon. Yeah, and it's just... So, where does the raccoon trait come from? Your side of the family or mine? I don't know. I mean, we're from the South... We both come from a long line of very disordered eating, so I feel like trash eating could really come from either one of our sides. I am, I am the one in our relationship with Pika, to be fair, but what she was eating out of the trash can was technically a food. It was just a old food that had been thrown away. I mean, it wasn't, it was an empty applesauce container. She was licking the mm-hmm. leavings from an applesauce. You know, we've all been there after a long night. Just licking up the leavings of an applesauce. Yeah, so, I don't know. So, what ghoul shit have you been into besides keeping our little, uh, little baby possum from eating garbage every chance she can? Um, you know, normally I wouldn't have a great answer for this because I'm not the ghouly one in the family. Um, you don't wear the ghoul? I don't wear the, don't I don't have... wear the ghoul pants in this, in this particular relationship. Um, but I have recently been into death, question mark. Um, since I was last on, I didn't quit my job necessarily, but my job lost funding because when I was on last time, we talked a lot about like sex ed and the stuff that I do, uh, did with that job. Um, but that job lost funding and I went back to grad school. So I am about to start my second year of grad school to be a counselor And one thing that I know I'm going to encounter as a counselor and one thing I've always been like extremely uncomfortable with is the concept of death and grief and bereavement and things like that. So I have been like purposefully seeking out um, more knowledge about that area and it has led me definitely down like a kind of ghouly path. Um, So first of all, I want to shout out um, the... Nashville Death Cafe, the Middle Tennessee Death Cafe. Death cafes are this super radical thing that started, not radical as in like... Ninja Turtles mm, radical, like it's tubular. Ra- ra- yeah, I'm using it as an <laughs> adjective, like like tubular, cool. Not radical as like fight the police state, though we should be doing that. That's I don't mean that they're like politically radical. They're just really righteous, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, rad but, to the max. Rad to the max. They're radical to the max. 
Um, but death cafes started, from my understanding, in the UK. People were tired of, like, death being hidden in the shadows and nobody talking about it and how taboo it was. So people started getting together over tea and cake and just talking about death. Um, and I attended my first one a couple weekends ago, and we literally sat down this group of, like, six. It was all women in this case. doesn't always have to be that way, but six or seven women. We sat down. We ate good food. We talked about the funerals we had been to. We talked about the cultural, like, things surrounding death. And, you know, one of one of the people that was there was like, you know, it's always been really strange to me because I'm not from the South, that you guys eat at funerals. And I'm like, well, why would you not be throwing down mac and cheese and barbecue at a funeral? That is just so ingrained in us. That's part of a Southern death. When you mourn, you mourn with food. If your fridge is not full of casseroles, did you even die? Like, you know, it's just part of that culture. So I got involved with that a little bit. I'm on their Facebook group, um, went to that death cafe, hoping to go to other ones. Um, and then I started reading Caitlin, is it pronounced Dodie? Dottie? Sure. Ask, I've only yeah, read it in she's, print. Yeah, so. she's, she's the, the mortician behind Ask a Mortician on YouTube. Um, and she has a blog and a website and stuff. But I started reading some of her books. Um, I've got a copy of From Here to Eternity, which is her study on like what good death is. Like she goes around to different cultures. But the one that I'm reading right now is The Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, which is her um, year and a half that she worked at a crematorium. She was the person that put the bodies into the the cremation um, machine and pushed the button and set them on fire. And just reading about it in like really, really explicit detail because I, I'm like, I'm scared of death. You know, it's always been a really big fear for me. It's been something I've run away from when my parents would want to talk about their future funerals. I ran away from that. I don't want to talk about this. You're never going to die, but that's idiotic. We're all born to die. Like it's coming. Um, so, you know, it's something that we all have to think about and that reading the books has been really, you know, reading the book, talking to people about it at the death cafes has kind of been my way of trying to desensitize myself to that topic a little bit, because unfortunately death, dying and bereavement is not a required class in um, counseling programs, which is crazy. But um, Caitlin Doty or Dottie or however you pronounce it, um, really does approach the subject with a lot of humor, which kind of helps to make it less scary. Because you know, as we will talk about with the, um, the movies we watched this week, I like my spooky stuff with a side of funny. Like, it's easier for me to, to um, watch something scary if it's also funny. Why do you think humor makes death go down so smooth? I don't know. It's something about, like, the gallows humor. Like, you might remember, and gosh, I just really hope I don't regret saying this on a podcast, but you might remember at my great-grandmother's funeral, you know, I was just devastated when we lost her. That's probably the worst death I've ever experienced as my great-grandmother because we were so close. And I didn't want to go to this funeral. I was nervous wreck. My stomach was in knots. I kept telling you I wanted to leave. We had only been, Quincy and I had only been dating for a few months when she passed. And he had to go through this just atrocious death with me. We go to the funeral. And then we see that her son, my great uncle, is wearing, what What did the shirt say? It said did it say like, got Jesus? On? Yeah, it was like so, a got Jesus so or a wearing, hell is hot shirt. Something like that. He's wearing a white shirt 
that says got Jesus across it and then he's wearing a white button-up dress shirt over it so the got Jesus is glowing through this white button-up well, shirt if, if memory serves she died in like August or I don't remember but it, it was, was just very hot. it was hot but he's wearing this got Jesus t-shirt under there and for some reason it just it tickled me and you need that levity because grief, I, and I don't, I don't think everyone should grieve with humor, but for me at least, that little bit of levity is what kept me from absolutely losing my mind. Yeah, just like how um, it was in my aunt's wishes to have Rocky Top played at her funeral. It's just the level of absurdity kind of, of helps things a little bit. I don't know if that's for everyone or if that's just for like disenchanted millennials like us but it's funny because i feel like you know millennials we all live in this like jokey space of i wish i was dead all the time and i'm trash and you know all of us are depressed all of us have suicidal ideations it's all this craziness um yet we still you know we we've we have we've turned death into kind of a joke i think but this book has more than anything made me really reconsider the way I want to be disposed of when I become a corpse. Um, I think I would really like to have a natural burial where um, you 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 know are buried in a shroud without any sort of embalming fluid or anything, and you just kind of let nature and mushrooms and you know bacteria take its course, and you decompose and rot away. And I just think that that is so much more natural and ecologically friendly than. You know, it says in the book that burning one body in a crematorium takes the same amount of energy as 500 gallons of gas in a car. And I just... Yeah, that's got me real shook, especially thinking about my carbon footprint. That even when I die, it's still, like, really bad. astronomically expensive. Which is not to say that natural burials are not. Because to be put in a conservation is, is, you know, still thousands of dollars. But, you know... The other thing is, I've really, through reading these books, death, funerals and crap, all that stuff is for the people left behind. The dead person don't know what's going on. So it's just, you know, I think about the funerals I've been to. I think about the people who have used the funerals I've been to as like an altar call. Like, you better get right with Jesus or you'll never see her again. Get right or get left. Yeah, left behind. James Cameron, man. But I just, um, it's, it's really got me thinking a lot about funerals and stuff and... So that's about as ghouly as I get at any given time. So you caught me you caught me on here on the podcast at a good time. So what is your dream funeral? For me? Yeah. Like what do you hmm. want? Now that we have this as an audio document Man. that we can play later. Well, I hope I don't die anytime soon. Because even though I'm exploring death, I'm still quite terrified of it. Mostly terrified of what I will have left undone. So I guess I, you know, if ghosts are real, I'll be coming back and haunting. Okay, so so also, are ghosts real? No, I mean I believe in science, so I don't think ghosts are real. So you're what we call in the the biz a skeptic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Be- okay, I don't believe ghosts are real, but. I also don't want to fuck around and find out. Yeah, you don't. So like, you don't believe they're real, but you have nothing to prove. Well, I, no, but what I'm saying is, like, I don't believe they're real, but my doubt and my own disbelief is just bad enough. I don't mess with a Ouija board. My dad said to me one day, "Hey Emily, if ghosts are real, I will come back and contact you." And I was like, 
oh, please don't, sir. I don't want you to. Like, now I'm going to have to be scared after my daddy dies that he's going to come back and, like, be at the foot of my bed. And if there ain't, you know, a six-foot-tall, 450-pound man at the foot of your bed, that nobody wants that, yeah. especially spectrally. So, you know, I just... Like, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of science, but I also don't like to yuck anybody's yum. So if the idea of somebody coming back and being with you after death feels good to you, live your truth, man. Do you think that people that come back as ghosts, it's like a, a Beetlejuice thing where you come back in the form that you uh, died in? So, like, you know, there's the ghost of the guy with the shrunken head because he was fucking around with the headhunter and there's the lady saw it in I half. just have to tell you that I, I'm so sorry I've never seen Beetlejuice. It is weird that you've never sat down and watched Beetlejuice with me. I mean, have I've accepted guys, that... Have you guys ranked that one? I... Listen, we ranked 400 movies and without looking at the list anymore... If you uh, haven't... Dear listener, we were preparing for this week and we almost watched... Three movies we've already ranked because we've seen so many movies that uh, I just lost track of them all. I'm just saying, if Beetlejuice is not on the list, I would like to claim that one as a future watch for me because that seems more up my alley than some of the spooky slash horrible stuff you and Ryan watch. <laughs> it, Beetlejuice is very good. That's like yeah. a top shooter. I haven't seen it, but no, I don't know. You know, I was raised um, very, very religiously and. I was raised in, you know, some churches won't even let people get cremated because they believe literally whatever body is put in the ground is what, like, Jesus will resurrect. And I remember my mom going to our preacher one time and being like, hey, if I get cremated, does that mean that when Jesus comes back, I'm just going to be, like, bits of dust floating around? And I don't remember how he justified that, but... I don't. With some hand waving. I think he said something like, no, if I'm, you know, the book, Caitlin talks to somebody about that and she says, you know, if Jesus can make a man walk on water, he can put the bits of my burned up body back together or something like that. But I don't know. Um, but no, I don't, I, I don't think ghosts are like a sheet with eye holes cut in it. I don't, I don't believe in ghosts. So it's hard for me to say that, but have you been into any ghoul shit lately? So speaking of ghosts, um, I've been playing Feng Shui with my Dungeons and Dragons group. Mm -hmm. Feng Shui is a tabletop RPG that is basically a Hong Kong action movie, The Game. So it's all about like gunfights and flippy dippy kung fu. And I am playing a ghost who gets to possess people and make people fall in love. Were you a ghost when the game started or did your DM kill you off? No, I literally chose oh, okay. ghost and I'm basing it off of the Shaw Brothers movie, The Weird Man, which is about a mischievous ghost that hmm. does weird things. I like, I like Peeves the Poltergeist as my favorite mischievous ghost. Yeah, Peeves is pretty good. Um, what about the three ghosts in Casper? The, the uncles? Yeah, the mean. uncles. But as far as, like, mischievous ghosts Yeah, go, I mean... Did you some... ever get the, um... Did you ever have the Pizza Hut Casper puppets? I think I had, like, one of them. I yeah. think I had the really fat uncle. Yeah. But I can't remember. I might be misremembering, and maybe you have that. So, I, like, I, mixed our childhood. So, up. I will say that, you know, one of the things that my parents did indulge me in is when there was a fast food premium, my mom would 
let me go every week. So, like, I have every, um, ghost, I have every ghost puppet from the, nice. the Casper ghosts. Well, I might be just misremembering, and yeah. I never actually... They also had Land Before Time puppets. Yeah, I, I think I had a Sarah, unless that is also your truth. I mean, I also have a Sarah, so... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I also true. have the X-Men cassette tape, and I also have several of those Back to the Future sunglasses, too. Yeah, I know. We didn't... You know, I grew up in a really small town, and we did, in fact, have a Pizza Hut with a banging buffet, but I don't think that we probably went that often. I had, I had several siblings, and you didn't have any, so... Yeah. Also, uh, I have a mom that doesn't like to cook, so... Fair enough. Yeah, it's that weird realization as an adult that, like, it wasn't that my mom was the fun mom, and more of the, my mom did not like cooking when my dad was at work, so we just got a lot of fast food. I feel that. My son's gonna be like, my mom was righteous, like, she raised me on nothing but chicken nuggets, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, your mom had clinical depression. (laughs) Your mom would buy groceries every week and then be so sad she couldn't cook them. All right. Yes. So the other, like, ghouly thing, and we didn't even really think about this as being ghouly, but it's really, it ends up being just a great example of body horror, is we discovered this game, challenge, whatever you want to call it, on TikTok. Have you been talking about TikTok on here? It's like, so Rank and Vile does have a TikTok account. Right. We're called Rank and Vile. And if you have not signed up for TikTok... And you want to sign up, um, it helps the show out because we get a little kickback too. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's like an, it, TikTok, if you don't know, is like the newer version of Vine. People make videos and then they lip sync to them. So this new challenge that's been going around for artists on TikTok is you play a game where you fold a piece of paper in half and the first person draws some sort of head, an animal head, a human head, whatever, on the top of the piece of paper and then connects the neck down to the bottom half of the paper and the other person draws a body. So Quincy and I were playing that game today, much to our children's chagrin, and like I drew, for example, the head of a luchador mask wearing cat and then I passed it over to Quincy and Quincy made this horrible body of like tentacles and one of the tentacles is flipping you off and one of the tentacles is like this hand reaching out grabbing and it just turns out to be equal parts hilarious and terrifying playing the game so if you have any sort of like artistic proclivities it doesn't have to be good art we don't make good art it's very cartoony and and patrons uh on our patreon these will be in the show notes for this week so you can see the you'll get to see some of our drawings like i'm really into this one where quincy and you know you don't know what the other person's drawing so like quincy drew a really realistic pig head and then i drew some super like plain legs wearing cowboy boots and stepping on someone's foot and you know, I drew a, like, disembodied eyeball, and Quincy connected it to the body of a muscle man, and it's just, they're great. It's it's a great game, and I recommend it, and maybe um, those of you that are Patreon patrons, once you see them, you might understand better what I'm talking about, but it's fun. It's body horror. Yeah, and speaking of Patreon, um, Emily, why don't you tell our listeners what some of our Patreon bonuses are, besides... Um, show notes. You can get show notes yeah. to all of our and that's episodes. that's like the lowest level. Yeah. yeah you can yeah. get, um, that's what, $2 a month? Yes. So for $2 a month, you can get show notes and that would be access to like all the stuff that Quincy and Ryan type up as they follow along, um, which is pretty cool. And like stuff like this that we'll, that we'll upload 
um, later on and then is the next level five dollars you get access to bonus content and as of yet as of the time of this recording there's nothing up there but I will say that we just recorded a bonus episode with our five-year-old um, you might hear Quincy refer to him as Jay he chose his own podcasting name and he chose the name Voltorb which is a Pokemon which is a Pokemon which is the only thing he's obsessed with but we just recorded an episode of like a bonus rank and vile where it's just us talking to him about King Kong and so I'm, if you're if you're dying to hear what a five-year-old has to say about King Kong for about 20 minutes uh, buckle you sh- up you should definitely sign up for that five that five dollar um, level if you want to hear that and I'm hoping to do more. I think he's got the bug now for podcasting and I'm hoping yeah. to do more bonus episodes with him where we ask him about various monsters yeah. and, and creatures. Cause he had a really good time, I think. Um, and we're also going to do some more, um, bonus episodes too. Uh, I think we're going to talk about cruel intentions, nice. uh, for an episode and can't hardly wait for an episode. And, Ryan and I are going to do some wrestling episodes because we realize that's not everyone's bag and we need to move that off the main feed. And, um, sorry, uh, the aforementioned five-year-old just snuck in the room to because he his ears were burning. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, please consider donating. Also, at the higher level, which I know, you know, money's tight, and if you even just want to sign up for one month and then drop back down to a lower or cancel, we understand but quarterly, we're going to start doing little care packages where we're going to send out um, brand new DVDs and Blu-rays and um, stickers and all kinds of goodies. And I think Emily's even committed to doing some... Art, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think Emily's even committed to doing some art for those. Yeah, I'm, um, I've been wanting to do like some more cutesy versions of some of the more famous horror characters um and i'm i I do the medium of like watercolor i do some acrylic so just depending if we get any of those patrons and that's at the 25 dollars level yeah so um, we know it's high and you don't have to stay at that level but if you are even there for one month uh you get signed up for the next batch of care packages yeah so um yeah, I'm going to do some art. It'll be stickers and stuff like that. And in, if you haven't seen Emily's art before, she did the original um, Rankin-Ball logo that's the script. It's not the banner page with, with the dog, Tinkerbell, but it's the one that's the blood splatter and the, the cursive Rankin-Ball that's by That Emily. was a long time ago. I've gotten better since then. But yeah. Um, but we already have, um, well, not we, I'm not usually on this podcast, but um, they already have um, several people who have signed up to be patrons um, and we really, really appreciate that. And I want to go ahead. You wanted me to shout them out by name, right? Yeah. Tell me who's our Patreon, so, patron, patron, patron so far. <laughs> so the new, the Patreon patrons that have already signed up, we have Amanda Henderly. Henderly, the friendly. Thank oh, you. Okay, yeah. Um, non-playable. Yeah. We know that dude. Yeah. He had a birthday. Happy birthday, non-playable. Um, Tom Master. Thank you, Thomaster. Oh, Thomaster. Sorry. Matt Smith. I don't know. It might be. (laughs) Hey, uh, is that Doctor Who, Matt Smith? Uh, uh, That would be incredible if it it was. It probably is. Thank you, Matt Smith. Duncan Parker Newton Gaines. Yeah, thanks, Duncan. I'm sorry, Duncan. Your name is rad. You sound like an entire board game slash law office. Just your one name. That's so cool. 
Um, Lauren Vega. Thank you, Lauren. Sonia, Sonia Portnoy-Lehman. Thank you, Sonia. Joseph. Thanks, Joseph. Christina. Thank you, Christina. Um, and Alan. Thank you so much, Alan. We really appreciate um, any amount of money you can give us. It really helps us um, cover our hosting fees. And we're also, Ryan and I are talking about doing some upgrading, too. Nice. Um, bum, 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 mm. Newsflash. Mm. Uh, Mill Creek Entertainment just announced they have obtained the rights to the Ultraman library, Emily. I feel like if Ryan was here, Ryan would have a way of responding to that appropriately. Instead, I'm going to say, Zoinks! Ultraman again? Oh, well, that wasn't the right way to respond. So, have you ever seen Ultraman? Mm, you no. know, I have Ultraman, like, that little action figure that mm -hmm. I have that's the cup noodles that transforms. It's just really funny that you think that I could keep up with which action <laughs> figure is which. <laughs> when you, my husband of nine years, own more action figures than I own anything. So... <laughs> Is so, he any? Is he related to Bomberman? Because I like that video. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, but Ultraman is like he's like Power Rangers before Power Rangers. Okay, okay. I, I was always the Pink Power Ranger, so I'm... yeah, nothing to do with. That. Okay, cool. So uh, Mill Creek has announced they have they their deal includes over eleven hundred episodes of the TV series and twenty films, which is like the full. 50 years of Tsuburaya Productions, like, output. And they're going to release them all on home media now. Do I have to watch them? I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry, is it my privilege to watch them? <laughs> <laughs> so they've already announced that Ultra Q and um, Ultraman are their first two releases. And not only are they in regular Blu-rays, they're coming out in Blu-ray steelbooks. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's like a... Do you know what Steelbook is? Um, I think I have a good idea because I think the Harry Potter movies that I want for my birthday are in, the steel, yeah. are in a Steelbook. So I, why are Steelbooks so cool? They're just mm -hmm. different packaging. Well, my experience with DVD packaging right now relates mostly to how difficult it is to keep our one-year-old from pulling it off the shelf. I'm just imagining a steelbook is going to make a wonderful noise when it hits the ground as she throws it behind her back. Yeah. Nonetheless, well, the nice thing about Blu-rays is Blu-rays are harder to scratch. Than that is DVDs. true. So uh, our one-year-old is actively, like, destroying our DVDs, but the Blu-rays are weathering it just fine. I believe that when I worked at Blockbuster, we told people that Blu-rays and... HD DVD, which was the competitor at the time, were unscratchable. Is but that I, true? I do not think so. In, I do not think they are indestructible. Um, I think that they are. You're not going to get skips on a Blu-ray. Like I think if a Blu-ray is damaged to the point that it's causing problems with watching, it's probably damaged beyond repair. Emily, tell me more stories about working at Blockbuster. <laughs> I'm so nostalgic for Blockbuster. It's funny because I can almost guarantee people like me that worked there for multiple years are not so nostalgic for Blockbuster. So what's wild is our good friend of the show, Klon Waldrip, publishes a zine called Late List about yeah. video, video stores and essays by video store employees. And you're just like not interested. Just because I don't feel like I have anything that funny to say. That was just a really weird 
weird time in my life. I was using a lot of illicit substances. I spent, you know, I was just so miserable um, when I was working there. And I just, I don't think I have anything that funny to say. Most of my stories that are memorable were like more of people being mean to me. Like a dude calling me the C word because he brought back his Blockbuster Online movie without the packaging. So now, if memory serves, Blockbuster Online was Blockbuster's attempt to compete with Netflix. Exactly. And you could bring in your Blockbuster Online movies and we would scan them and we would mail them back for you. And you could tr when you scan them in, you got a free like movie out of the middle, not a new release, to take home with you that night. So you night. get Ghosts in the Darkness for free. Sure, whatever that is. You could get all the Ultramans. All the Ultramans for free. Did, come on. I don't think Blockbuster had any Ultramans. No, I don't even know what an Ultraman is. <laughs> um, but they, uh, this one guy brought it in one time and was like, going to try this out for a movie. And I'm like, yeah, I can't scan this, bro. We don't have the right envelope. He got so mad and he called me the C word. And I waited till he left and then I cried. That's that's the kind of story I have left from Blockbuster. Do you remember when we were dating and I I don't would... remember when we were dating. <laughs> <laughs> Those years are gone. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Do you remember when I would come hang out with you at your shifts mm -hmm. and try to recommend movies to people? Yes. Did I tell... I told the story last time about that terrible recommendation. If I didn't, if I did tell it last time... You're going to have to hear it again because Lord knows you do not remember what was said on this podcast a year and a half, two years ago. I, I don't. When I worked at the original Blockbuster I worked at in my hometown before I got hired as the assistant over at the one here where we live now, um, I was just recommending movies willy-nilly because I hadn't watched that many of them. And I regularly which which for an employee who got free movie rentals yeah. is buck wild i've never enjoyed watching movies i have adhd and i can't st sit still for two hours but so the big the big problem was i kept recommending pan's labyrinth to moms coming in looking for slumber party movies and I recommended it because I thought it was a remake of Jim Henson's The Labyrinth. Is Jim Henson The Labyrinth? Yeah. Jim Henson's The Labyrinth. I have never seen The Labyrinth, and at that point had never seen Pan's Labyrinth. Later on when I watched it, I, I think it's an excellent movie. I love Pan's Labyrinth. But later on when I watched it, I was like, oh no, how many seven-year-old slumber parties did I ruin recommending this? Or how many seven-year-old slumber parties did you make amazing? No, that's true. So who's more fuckable, Pan or oh. the um, the fish guy from uh, Shape you of Water? You just really went there. Yeah. We asked the hard-hitting questions here on the Rank and Vile podcast. I don't even remember what Pan from Hands... Is he the guy with the hands? With the no, that's the, that's the hand guy. Um... The guy with the hands is the hand guy, Quincy? Yeah. This know, is what I live guy. with every day. This is what I'm married to. Okay, so wait, which one is Pan? The guy with the horns. Like, he's the guy that looks like a Pan. I don't remember that being a character in the movie. I'm pretty sure our five-year-old is listening in the hallway. I wish you hadn't asked this question. But I'm going to say... Um, Probably the goat man, if that's a thing. I don't think he's in the movie. I think you're making that up. I am almost positive. I think you're making it up, movie. just like that time that you said the guy, the guy on the Elmer glue package was a pan. He's a not Quincy. We've been over this. He's a he's a bull. He's a bull named Elmer. 
He's not a pan. He's not a goat man. He's a bull, a full-blown bull that just stands upright on his feet like a human. He's got non-human parts. And he's married to Daisy from Daisy Sour Cream or whatever. Why did they make Elmer and Daisy married? Is, is the podcast always this jumpy? Or have I caused this? Does this usually happen? We went from what is your ideal funeral to why did they make Elmer and Daisy the cows? I don't know, Quincy. What a question. I just feel like the fish man from The Shape of Water would smell like eggs all the time. Yeah, and that's why I would pick the eggs. other one. But I, I hate this question and everything it stands for. <laughs> so let's for. move in, let's move forward and talk about life after Beth. Okay, yeah. So, like we mentioned before, I like my horror and my death with a side of comedy. Yeah, this movie is way funnier than I remember it from the first time I watched it. Yeah, so like last night when we decided we were going to watch something for the podcast, I literally Googled horror comedy. And you know, your traditional stuff like Slither and, and things like that came up. Um, and we just really struggled with what have we not, what have you guys not ranked yet? Because um, I will not sit down and watch like a true horror film, especially we, we started that movie at like 11 o'clock last night. No Starry Eyes. Yeah. Oh my God, Starry Eyes was so upsetting. But um, I don't want to watch anything body horror, anything that's going to give me nightmares, anything that's going to keep me up or make it where I, like, can't go to the bathroom by myself because I'm a real scaredy cat. So I read about Life After Beth. I'm like, okay, it has Aubrey Plaza in it. She's hilarious. Is she, is she able to act or is it just that she's typecast in the same roles? I don't know her as an actual person, so who knows? She could be, like... Pooping rainbows. But why do you think it is that Aubrey Plaza just plays the same character in every movie? I don't know. She has a look about her, I guess. She's like the embodiment of resting bitch face, kind of. So, but I did feel like she had a little more range. Like in this one, I, you know, she was a bit more of like a pursuant ingenue sexual type person than she is in her normal um, Parks and Rec like stay away from me don't touch me kind of yeah. role um so. so so life after beth is literally a movie about a guy whose girlfriend dies and it's about him coping with her death and then after he says like oh i wish i had said all the things i could have said when she was alive she shows up and she's a zombie and has like resurrected and then he has to like antics ensue while he's trying to like hide his zombie girlfriend from the rest of the world yeah but she doesn't start as a traditional zombie she starts pretty normal other than she has complete memory loss of like what happened um in the week leading up to her death um so you know at the beginning of the movie you're thinking like okay she's just back and i mean it's a horror film so you're expecting something's going to go wrong um but the whole like slow degradation into a monster thing you know it was kind of cool i feel like the one thing i really really liked about this movie and the thing i was thinking about last night because you know being a woman in 2019 and being a millennial or whatever like i'm always looking for the kind of the feminist turn on and things i felt like it did a really good job of playing with that trope of the crazy girlfriend yeah like she wasn't just a crazy girlfriend who was accusing him of being with other people or whatever. It was because she was becoming a monster. So it kind of like played with that. I didn't ever feel like it was getting, you know, 
like anti-woman. I never felt like, oh, okay, it's a crazy girlfriend again. No, she was becoming a monster, and that's what made her. Yeah, so like Zach, the boyfriend, um, goes to a diner because he's like, I can't stand being around this zombie who's trying to eat me. I need a break. And he bumps into a friend from childhood, and Beth, the zombie, shows up and says, why are you talking to her? And it's more of, a, like, a joke about that than a, like, jealous girlfriend thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was, so I, I liked that about it. I felt like it kind of subverted that, that notion that you sometimes get. And I feel like that is a trope that horror movies really, really like to take, is either the crazy ex-girlfriend or the woman who's gone psychotic. Or, you know, it's just, we like to make women specifically people with mental illness more in general are monsters yeah and as a person who's a future counselor and as a person who does suffer really a lot with my mental health i hate that i hate that because so much of the world puts that on us anyway yeah so i like to see okay this isn't about her being a crazy woman it's because she's a zombie so but i do want to ask you is zach like a crazy boyfriend he he was a little irritating to me, just like from the very beginning, the whole, you know, oh, she was mad at me and we were on a break, but I wish I had said this, that, and the other thing to her. And then, you know, it a little bit. He was a little whiny. Like, now, how much of that is playing a, even though um, the actor Shane DeHaan is not 19, uh, how much of that is like playing an 18, 19-year-old right. character? Um, yeah, you know, that that's probably part of it, which it's hard, you know, in your 30s, it's hard to watch characters like that. Um, but, like, just the fact that, and I'm sure this was an artistic choice on the director's part, but, like, he's picking out clothes to go see her, and as he's going through his closet, he literally only owns black shirts and black Motherfucker's pants. got a Doug Funny wardrobe. He does. He only, <laughs> owned, he only owned black shirts and black pants. And some of the shirts were cut differently. And sometimes it was black stripes instead of just plain black. But his whole wardrobe was black shirts, black pants, black shoes. And I was like, this is not... And I asked Quincy about it, and he was like, oh, he's goth. I'm like, no, that's not goth. He's not goth. He's just like... I don't know what he was doing with that wardrobe. It was something, but... And do you think it was a choice that Beth is always wearing that, like, super twee Peter Pan collar or white dress with, like, frills? Is that supposed to be her funeral dress? I don't know if that was, like, the dress they buried her in because it was super clean looking for some of the... Um, because we didn't see her at the funeral. They didn't show the yeah. funeral. They just showed the, like, wake afterwards. But... And, like, when she's alive, she's wearing hiking clothes. Yeah, she's a hiker. She died hiking. So that's why I thought it was weird. I understood why she kept wearing the same outfit, though, because she was essentially, when she came back, living the same day. It was kind of Groundhog yeah. Day. She was always like, oh, I've got a test tomorrow. Oh, I've got a test tomorrow. Um, so that, that explained why she wore the same dress every day. But why, I mean, I don't know why she would be wearing a dress. She seemed to be, from their description, like an outdoorsy hiking types so. now is that the like so there is a reference that Mari Beth's dad is like a pervert is that intention is there an intentional undertone or do you think that's reading into it I didn't because he has this like is it some kind of weird daddy's little girl thing I don't I didn't see that so much I because I was surprised when that whole thing with why the maid left. And that's... Is it just a vehicle to make a 
penis joke with a with a um, Haitian accent. That that slash a vehicle to make um, Zach look like a jerk for assuming that the yeah. Haitian maid is so, the one that causes yeah, their zombies. housekeeper is uh, Haitian and she moves, and Zach's immediate assumption is she raised the zombies. She raised the zombies. Yeah, he and says then, like four times, "Well, she's Haitian. It had to be her. She's Haitian." And then finally, um, a Haitian character says to him, "You're really fucking racist." Yeah, he's like, "We Shut don't, up. we don't all do that voodoo stuff," you know. And then, so that that part, not that part specifically, but the fact that we never get resolution as to why it happened, is irritating to me because, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, for a movie that came out like eight years ago or something, yeah. four years, um, four years yeah. ago. Um, you know, they, at the end, there are no zombies anymore. They're all safe. And you never really know, is it because Beth is finally dead, so they're all back at rest? Was it like his love for Beth that brought her and then everyone else back? Or is it because all the zombie hunters killed off all the zombies? Like, what is it that caused it to stop? You never really get that resolution. The movie just ends. Like, hey, we're safe now. Then literally the news comes on. And it's like, it's over. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, the same night, even. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like about this movie is they, again, play with that apocalypse prepper trope. And, like, Zat's brother is obsessed with guns, and he starts crying because he shoots his resurrected peepums in the head. And it's like, I can't believe I shot my pop-pop! And Zach is like, maybe you shouldn't want to kill people that badly. Yeah, because he says his dream has always been to shoot someone with a gun. He's like, you should find a new dream, buddy. That's not a good dream. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear in the background. There's a child creeping around. Oh my gosh. Let me pause the recording. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. Um... So yeah, it plays into that whole zombie preppers thing. And I wonder if, because there was already that kind of character there, of the, the gun-happy brother, is that why they so quickly cleared out all the neighborhoods? And I guess it was only in their little area that, I don't know, the whole, maybe I shouldn't be reading that much into like a comedy horror film but i was like this doesn't explain anything about where they came from or now one of the things that caught my eye is on netflix it's listed as a dark comedy first and a horror movie like third i can see that i mean it depends on how you define a horror movie there's not there's not a lot of blood there's not you know a lot of gore. They don't really show anybody eating anybody or getting shot. There's a lot of like... You say that, but Molly Shannon's character feeds a zombie her fingers. It's her daughter. I would feed my daughter my fingers too if she was hungry. Like it's just... You, what the fuck? It's just a mom thing, you know? I get it. But um, it, it really wasn't that gory to me. Like, you know, I don't necessarily think of teeth as a horror film it, to me it's a comedy slash like feminist manifesto before it's a horror film but it i mean it's about zombies so it's definitely horror but i i would say yeah it's a dark comedy um and some of the little things that like were woven throughout it like um I don't know, the, the implication that none of the zombies could drive very well. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, zomb the zombie mailman knocking down 
mailboxes. Mailboxes had me cackling. I don't know why. That kind of physical humor is kind of like my thing, but that that part was really funny to me. Or their preoccupation with going into attics. Yes, they're all obsessed with attics. The fact doesn't that they're all cops, it does not it's make very any funny. sense. Um, when her, she pops her little head out of that attic, that made me laugh a lot. Their obsession with with smooth jazz. Yeah, it, almost like a sexual attraction to smooth Slash, jazz. Slash, like, it's like they're Xanax. Like, it chills them out. It was, I think the most bizarre part of the movie, and we're, we've probably just about run out of, like, things to talk about when it comes to life about Beth. It's not that deep. Or life after Beth. It's not that deep. But the most upsetting but, but part of... maybe it is. Maybe. The most upsetting part of the whole movie, to me, was... When she comes back from the dead, he still hasn't figured out what she is, how she came back. Her parents claim she was resurrected like Jesus. He thinks she's a zombie, but they decide to go have sex. And he takes her out in broad daylight, and they go to a children's playground, to a park, and underneath the swing set, they have sex. And I'm like, why are they having sex in broad daylight? In a playground. So my question is more about, like consent is is zach able to get full consent from a zombie i mean she was seemed to be other than having the memory loss she seemed to be in her right mind so so yeah i think she was yeah and also the mechanics of having sex with a corpse she had not shown i don't remember her showing any signs of being a corpse at that point other than you could see the snake bite because she died from a snake bite on a hike so you could see the wound on her leg that night before at the pool but then her face didn't start like melting off and stuff until after they did that so it's like but he didn't know and like you know the movies like um what is it it follows or what it What's the movie about the STD, the zombie STD? It follows. Yeah, it follows. Like, why would you be, number one, be willing to hook up with a person that was dead a couple of days ago, but in broad daylight, like even regular humans? That's just, like, predatory. Like, no, don't hook up on a playground in broad daylight. Do what you want under the veil of darkness. I mean, it's played, like, as a poppy, like, these horny kids. Yeah, but... Kids um, will do what they do, but it's like... a little... I was like, oh my god, it's that's all I could think, and maybe that's just me being curmudgeonly they're almost 32 year old but i was like oh it's broad daylight they do get to fucking in broad daylight too it's not just like gross quincy i hate i hate the words that come out of your mouth Ooh. oh my god please (laughs) so is this movie better or worse than what we do in the shadows Oh, man. That's hard, because it's a totally different movie. Like, What We Do in the Shadows was objectively more funny. Yeah. It's Um, certainly funnier. Far, far funnier. But it depends on how you're, like... I think think What We Do in the Shadows is probably better than than this one. What about Shaun of the Dead? Where is What We Do in the Shadows? I'm. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Shaun of the Dead was definitely... Shaun of the Dead's a classic. It was definitely better than... This is definitely not as good as Shaun of the Dead. So, let me scroll down a little bit and let me... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta find a funny... Something funny we can compare it to because it's not really fair to compare it to... Well, I mean, what about Troll 2? Troll 2 is not intentionally mm-hmm. funny... But Life After Beth is, like, trying to be Why funny. is Troll 2 not number one on the list? It's the greatest film ever made. 
We had a party about it once. Yeah. We only ate green food. Yeah, no. Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's it's better than Troll too because it's intentionally funny. So you'd say intentionally funny is better than I mean, unintentionally funny. Troll 2, in all senses of... It's a bad movie. Yeah. Like, it's like The Room. Like, it's a cult classic. You want to watch it. It's very funny. You want to have theme parties around it. But it's not a good movie. The fact that it's above 100 is absolutely baffling to me. But, I mean, Friday Night Test, which are you going to watch again? Oh, I would probably watch Troll 2. Like, if I wanted to show a movie to a friend who had never seen either one, I would probably want to watch Troll 2 with them. So Life then, After Beth, I would probably tell them to watch it on their own because so I don't need to see it again. By that match, metric, Troll 2 would be better. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right on that. Now, what about the lure, the musical mermaid that movie, uh, rock That opera? movie was sure something. I remember that one. I'm sorry, I'm very um, distracted by this list. I don't see it very often because I am only on the show once every two years, but there's something on here called Don't Torture a Duckling. Yeah. And that's just good life advice. <laughs> okay, so better film. Gremlins 2 Aww. or Gremlins Life After 2. Bad? Gremlins 2 is so cute. It, can we also say Gremlins 1 is better? Yeah. Is Gremlins 1 below Gremlins 2? Yes, Gremlins. <gasps> How? Because Gremlins 2 has a lightning The Candyman. I love Candyman. <laughs> you like the movie The Candyman? It's just for nostalgia reasons. Okay. Now, what about Return to Oz? I've never seen that. you never seen Return to Oz? I told you I've never seen Beetlejuice, and you're surprised I've never seen Return to Oz? That's true. That's true. So, let's find another movie you have seen. What about Jennifer's Killing of a Body? Sacred Deer is better than... Or is, and Bird Box was better than... I, I'm sorry, I liked Killing of a Sacred Deer and Bird Box. So. I mean, Killing of a Sacred Deer is good, it's just insane. So you'd say these are better movies, too. I think so. I don't know, this was a good movie, though. I feel guilty. How do you do this? I mean, How do you it, make it is our, our lot in life to do this. Dear God, this list is ten pages long. It literally is. Maybe I was wrong about you ranking every movie ever. Maybe it will happen. I'm just kidding, listeners. It's physically impossible. Um, now, what about The Grudge with uh, Michelle Geller? Yeah, I've never seen that. Wait, who's Michelle Geller? Do you mean Sarah Michelle Geller? Yeah. Don't call her Michelle Geller. You don't know her like that. <laughs> so The Grudge with, with Buffy. Calling Sarah Michelle Geller Michelle Geller makes me feel like I should go brush my teeth. <laughs> I'm so grossed out. So I've, are you saying that The Grudge is better than I don't than know. I've Life never After seen Beth? The Grudge, and I never will. That's a scary movie. What about Chopping Mall? Oh. It's probably better than Chopping Mall. You know what I like about Life After Beth? What? There was very little nudity. And I get tired of all these movies you watch, and just all the 80s titties and the... 80s bushes everywhere. So, Call me a prude, but I just get tired of all the boobies and bushes. So do you think that's because in 2014 when this film was made, internet pornography was widely available? I don't know. Maybe it's just because horror films don't have to have so many boobies and bushes to still be a good horror film. But there was a lot of that in Shopping Mall. Um, so what about Interview with a Vampire? I have only I haven't only seen parts of that. 
not. I would say Interview with the Vampire is objectively a better film. Yes, yes, probably true. Um, now, the problem is Venom is at 187, and Venom is so fucky, it's hard for me to get around, like, Venom kissing Eddie Brock and saying anything is better than that. I have no clue what any of the words you say meant, um, but I'm sure they were very good words. I know that fucky is not a real word, so um, you just go ahead. I don't. We had this problem when I was on the show last time, and the list was less than half the size, so I don't know where to put anything because I don't know most of these movies. Um, so I would say that Life After Beth is probably better than Blade Trinity because that movie is kind of a slog to get through at times, okay. and this movie's not. But I would say it is not as romantic as uh, Venom. So that would make Life After Beth our new number 188. Wow. This list is intense. So I have an idea. What's up? What if you made a Patreon level where for like $50... Someone could just go in and totally rearrange this list. That's that's unethical and wrong, and I'm a little offended so- that you Wait, suggested I'm it. I'm sorry. Are we discussing the ethics of your horror movie ranking podcast? It's it's <laughs> it is the one and only definitive ranking of horror movies. Is that correct? Well, no. There's other people okay. that do podcasts mm-hmm. like this, but this is like the. This is like the famous Ray's original list. You were the first one to ever do this. Because that's what original means. Listen, <laughs> I, just know, I, took a whole, I took a whole class on ethics. And yes, they were the ethics of counseling. <laughs> but I just, I feel like allowing someone to completely rearrange this for the right amount of money. I'm saying that I have standards and I can't be bought like that. Hmm. I can be bought, and and I think our Patreon is evident of that. But that's a level that I'm unwilling hmm. to to go to. All right. So our job, listeners, is to figure out what amount of money <laughs> it would take for us to all pool together and get Quincy and Ryan to let us completely rearrange this list. Okay, but the problem with that is once we get past 200, ain't nothing down there that needs to go higher on the list. That's fine. I just really think that, you know, like, I don't know. I I think, I just, I'm just imagining how good it would be to troll the list. I I have faith in our fans, uh, and I believe that our fans would not do that to us. By the way, we're at 404 movies now. Wow. And I've watched almost all of them. It's a, a lot of movies. That's yeah. about 400 more than I've ever watched in my life. Uh, that's, that's, stick with me, kid. Wow. <laughs> um, so, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, where can listeners find you on the internet? You guys don't need to find me on the internet. It's fine. All right. Well, you can find us on the internet at Rankin Vilecast on Twitter, Rankin Vile on um, Tumblr, uh, Rankin Vile on Instagram, Rankin Vile on TikTok. We're on YouTube, Rankin Vilecast. 
shoot us an email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com and please check out our Patreon, which we will probably link to. And there's some other social medias that I'm forgetting. These guys um, got a media presence. Yeah. Whew. Uh, by the way, uh, there is a grindcore band called Rank and Vile. Um, ask them to give us our name back. Um, oh. Okay. All right. Um, Hashtag keep Rank and Vile real or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll work on the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could review us and give us a little thumbs up or some stars on your podcast app of choice that really helps us raise in the charts um and if you don't mind just word of mouth tell a friend about us that would be really cool um and remember if you really want some hot takes about king kong from a five-year-old five dollars a month on patreon is all it's going to take you to get that have a good week y'all bye